0: This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast.
1: Today is Wednesday, May 24th. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. Well, I don't know what day or time it is as you tune in for this episode, but in real time, as this hits the air, I should have just passed through Savannah, Georgia and westbound on I-16, heading back to Atlanta, following 10 glorious days on Amelia Island in Northeast Florida. And so, to you I say thanks for indulging my absence last week for a pre-Memorial Day weekend break. But I'm back now, fresh and rested and excited to present this week's conversation with one of the nicest guys you'll ever know in franchising, Josh D'Agostino. Before we get to that, though, my thanks again to Sabrina Wall, co-founder and CEO of the Franchise Brokers Association, for checking all the boxes the week before last during her visit to Franchise Today. If you've yet to download her visit, do it today. You won't be disappointed. Okay, with all that said, we'll take a short break here. And when I return, I'll introduce you to Josh D'Agostino, President and CEO at Mighty Auto Parts. Don't go away.
0: Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors.
1: Franchisors of restaurants, bars, and grills, and multi-unit franchisees, listen up. This message is for you. If you're looking to engage guests elevate profits and enhance your customer experience atmosphere TV is the answer what's atmosphere you ask atmosphere is the world's number one streaming TV service for businesses here to help you make more and save big on overpriced cable packages atmosphere provides you with a free programming option bringing more than 60 ultra engaging audio optional channels designed to please customers and increase their average ticket so how does it work well it's Upon sign-on, Atmosphere sends you a free device loaded with over 60 channels of eye-grabbing entertainment, from news and sports to viral videos and fuzzy animals. Every channel is family-friendly and designed to keep your customers happy and engaged. Plus, thanks to Atmosphere's 100% audio-optional format, the programming is perfect for any setting, no matter how loud or busy. Atmosphere isn't limited to restaurants or bars either. Any business with a TV screen can benefit from better entertainment. So stop playing and paying overpriced cable. Go with free TV instead. Chiropractors, doctors, dentists, auto shops, anyone with TV in their waiting rooms can jump on this amazing offer. Just go to Atmosphere.tv forward slash sign up and use the code franchise and Atmosphere will waive the usual one-time $99 activation fee for your free to stream device. Visit Atmosphere online at Atmosphere.tv and remember, use the code franchise to waive your one-time activation fee. Visit Atmosphere.tv to elevate your franchise's entertainment experience today. Josh D'Agostino is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. He's also very good at what he does. With more than 17 years in automotive products distribution, today Josh serves as president and CEO at Mighty Distributing System, better known as Mighty Auto Parts, distributing automotive parts and chemicals through franchised and company-owned operations across the country and around the world. Josh is a true servant leader for his teams in franchise development, both domestic and international, franchise operations, IT, HR, and administration. In addition to which, he also supports company owned operations and competitive acquisitions. Josh D'Agostino Welcome to Franchise Today.
2: Well, thank you, Stan. Pleasure to be here. Appreciate the chance to talk with you.
1: How long have we threatened to do this, Josh?
2: Uh, it's been a few years. I mean, how long, <laughs> did you, when did you start the podcast?
1: 14 years ago. So Actually, I I, 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 didn't, I take that back. Paul Segreto started it 14 years ago. I joined him a couple of years later, maybe in 2013 or 14, we started doing it together. And then for the past several years, Paul's gone on to other things. I've continued the podcast, but it's been around for 14 seasons.
2: So I'm going to say that we probably started talking about it seven years ago when I joined Mighty, <laughs> and here we are.
1: You know, we might have talked about it even earlier than that in general, because we've known each other forever through the Southeast Franchise form. <laughs> but it's worth the wait. You're here now, and we're going to talk about a great deal of things. First, of course, is as always, is what were you doing, and where were you when franchising kind of tapped you on the shoulder and said, you've got a new career coming your way, friend. It's franchising. What did that look like for you?
2: Yeah. So it's interesting because I joined Genuine Parts Company, which most people know as Napa Auto Parts, in kind of a business development role. And, you know, they're not a franchise, but a lot of Napa stores are independently owned. And my my job was to find more independent owners. So very similar to a franchise development role, but not a franchise. So I got involved with the Southeast Franchise Forum in Atlanta, Georgia and learned from that group, including you, Stan, about what do franchises do to recruit, qualify and, and put people into business opportunities, into franchise opportunities. Cause a lot of that translated to my role at Napa. And so that's really how I, I got involved in franchising kind of on the edge, uh, so to speak. And then. About seven years ago, I was sitting next to Ken Volker, who was the president and CEO of Mighty Auto Parts, which is a franchise, and he said, why don't you join my team? And so that was really my official move into franchising. I joined Napa years ago and and kind of got into the franchise space, so to speak, for knowledge and training but really got into franchising seven years ago when I joined Mighty.
1: I believe that there's no one who could have partaken of more opportunity to learn about franchising, considering that you call it being on the periphery when you were at Genuine. I mean, you went to every IFA convention, right? You went to all these events as though you were full-fledged. And I think the truth of the matter is, Josh, when you really get down to what franchising by definition is, it's it's a way of distribution. And that's exactly what you were doing even at Genuine, right?
2: Yeah, it's a business system, right? it's a business support system so you know napa stores have a, a methodology there's a system there's a program and so i just jumped into a group of people who really study how to do this all the time i didn't know what i was doing when napa hired me <laughs> i had no idea they basically said well they already knew me because i was with a vendor to genuine parts company to napa they said look we want to hire you to do this so figure it out and i used the resources i could find to, to figure it out and that's the ifa that was the south these franchise Forum. As you know, Stan, has lots of franchisors in Atlanta. So I made some personal relationships and learned what people were doing and applied a lot of that to what I was doing at Napa.
1: Who was the vendor and what was your role there? What were you doing actively? And truthfully, I'd love to know what you came through college with intention to do when you graduated because it certainly wasn't to get into franchising.
2: No, I was going to go to Washington DC and get into politics. I knew I was going to do that since high school. So I went to the University of Texas in Austin, and I had an internship in Washington, D.C. in 1997 over the summer, and uh, that cured me of my political aspirations. So it was the kind of experience where you might expect it, not a lot was getting done, a lot of conflict, and a lot of younger people really just kind of working paycheck to paycheck, not making a lot of money. And I had more financial aspirations than that. So I went back to Texas. I took every business course I could take to get a minor in business, and I went into the headhunting space for four years. So I was recruiting people for technical positions, engineering, development positions, really programming positions, really kind of hard to find spots. And this was 1998 to 2002, so it was a lot of internet boom at the time and bust, all in that same Mm four-year period. And then I left there and went to a company called Great America, and Great America was a leasing, a small-ticket financing company, Uh, and Napa was my biggest customer. So I spent five years really working the Napa uh, account where store owners would buy computer systems or equipment for their stores or equipment for their customers and finance it two, three, four, five-year dollar buyout type transactions. And that's where Great America specialized in, automotive, healthcare, different different areas. But I was on the automotive side, and Napa was where I spent 90% of my day working that account.
1: I can remember back in the day when, my blimpy days, where so many franchisees that joined us financed their franchise agreements through the equipment that they leased. And the equipment leasing companies would roll the franchise fee up into the package and help the franchise prospect pay off the franchise tied in with the equipment. Was that something similar to what you guys would do?
2: So because NAPA is not a franchise, there wasn't a franchise fee, but there were kind of inventory needs or there would have been um, all types of equipment needs. There were some soft costs, as they would call it, the leasing space that could get rolled into the lease so long as the majority of the, the funds were for a hard asset. Pretty similar.
1: Sounds like the same program, just same church, different pew.
2: Yeah, similar concept, similar concept. So Great America is a fantastic company a uh, really great place to work, and I, I worked on the NAPA account, I also had the Goodyear account. Goodyear was a big customer, and that's where I spent a lot of my time. We grew the NAPA account tremendously once we landed the point of sale business for the NAPA store owner. So almost when I was there, like nine out of 10 point of sale systems got financed through me.
1: Well. Wow. It's a big book of business. It, it, it turned out to be. It sure did. So let's talk about when you arrived at Mighty. What was it that drew you to Mighty? And the role that you played when you got there has enhanced some since you've been there. Let's talk about early days first and walk us through those years to the role of president and CEO. You
2: know, I was fortunate to sit, uh, sit next to Ken Volker at the Franchise Leadership and Development Conference. I think it was October of 2015, I believe. And he and I had met, but really didn't know each other. But we chatted a little bit there at the conference, and he reached out to me and said that his vice president of franchise development was retiring, and he was looking for someone to replace him. And uh, that, that by itself wasn't enough for me. I had a pretty broad role going at Genuine Parks Company. Having had been there about nine years, my role had broadened a lot. And to Ken's credit, he called me the next day after our lunch and said, well, what about franchise development, franchise operations, taking over our five company operations and establishing an acquisition practice? And that was quite intriguing. And the reason I... I really left, I always call it the womb of Genuine Parts Company, Uh, this publicly traded huge company that does very, very well for a much smaller organization was was for the opportunities that that come with a smaller organization. It's more entrepreneurial, the ability to be involved in the strategic direction of an entire company versus kind of a business unit or initiative at Genuine Parts Company, And, and really the chance to enhance my career without relocating. Staying in Atlanta, that was important to us. I'm married, I have children. We didn't want to pack up and move. And a lot of people who got the very strategic and large positions at Genuine Parts Company relocated a lot, and that can be painful if it's not done right.
1: Totally agree, and I completely understand that. So talk about Mighty as compared to Genuine. What was different about the model other than the fact that distribution at Genuine but not quite a franchise, Mighty Auto Parts is a franchise. What does that franchise look like? What does the business model entail? Is it retail like Napa, or is it different?
2: Yeah, so a lot of differences are scale. I mean, Napa has 6,000 stores. Stores. every five miles there's a Napa store they do retail business as well as their majority wholesale but they do a fair amount of, of retail business they're extremely well-known brand high 90 percentile brand recognition. And Mighty's very different. We have 100 franchise locations in the U.S. We're 100% wholesale. We have no retail whatsoever. We have much larger distribution areas for our franchise locations versus an auto parts, traditional auto parts store. The scale is a lot different. That was a big thing. Wholesale versus retail is a lot different. That was a big thing as well. You're at a brand that people don't know. People don't know the mighty name. It's not a household name like Napa. It's not a brand that most people know. It's not a brand that even in the automotive space is extremely well known. It has to be explained. It has to be validated. It has to be expressed to a customer or to a client or to whomever. You know who we are. We have to tell that story. So that was different for me. It was a smaller entity. It is a franchise, so there's things that you can can and can't do as a franchisor that you have to know. Uh, And then of course just focused on wholesale and brand recognition. these are Those are big differences.
1: So when you talk about that, you have to tell the story to help people understand who you are. I bring my car to get serviced at a Tires Plus or a Goodyear or wherever it goes, and they pick up the phone and they call for parts. Are they calling Napa or are they calling Mighty and why? No it's a great great question,
2: so it depends on what they need so for example, uh, Napa advance Autozone, O'Reilly, probably the household names that most people know in auto parts, their primary focus is on what they call hot shot on delivering products. So if you bring your car to a professional repair shop and they don't have it on the shelf, they call one of those folks and it comes in thirty to forty five minutes and they complete the repair. That's typically how that works. Uh, for a lot of repairs, particularly when it's a starter, an alternator, engine work, things that require a bit more time. Where we specialize, Stan, is on inventory stocking. So we're not a hotshot deliverer. People don't really call us and say, I need this now. That's not how we do business. What we do is we go into all these shops every week and we replenish what they typically stock, filters, batteries, some brake products belts and hoses chemicals lubricants tire repair things that they're using all the time every day high turning high volume inventory products that's what we sell what we call preventive maintenance products things that wear out not things that not things that break if that makes any sense
1: I can liken it in my mind's eye to a detailer that has a bread route and stocks Publix and Kroger and just comes in every week and fills in the blanks
2: That's a really great example that's exactly right I use Coca-Cola being here in Atlanta right when you go to the grocery store the Coca-Cola person comes in pulls their product forward replenishes the stock makes sure it looks good clean visible we do that for our customers we go into their back room and stock their shelves make sure they're replenished properly make sure they have just enough inventory to last the week not too much not too little we help manage obsolescence we pull product off the shelf that doesn't sell we put new product on the shelf that should start to sell because of a new vehicle hitting the market or what have you so it's exactly right it's 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 delivering the bread every week we're delivering automotive products every week that people constantly use every single day. And uh, it complements what the NAPAs, the AutoZones, the Advances, and the railways do. They're really great at quick delivery, hot shot business. We're really great at stocking weekly, uh, stocking of products. So it complements each other.
1: Makes perfect sense. And speaking of perfect sense, this is a perfect time for us to cut away for a quick break. And then come back on the other side of that break and talk a little more about the progression of your role into president and CEO and tell us a little bit about the difference in what you're doing day to day these days and talk about who it is that you're looking for for franchises and who should find you and why. We're talking today with Josh D'Agostino, president and CEO of Mighty Auto Parts, and we'll be right back.
0: Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors.
1: Join a peer group, not just any peer group. Join the only one designed for emerging franchisors. Join Zor Forum. Learn more at Zorforum.com. That's www.Zorforum.com. And my conversation continues today with Josh D'Agostino, President and CEO of Mighty Auto Parts. So Josh, seven years ago, you got dangled a little carrot. That wasn't enough. (laughs) So Ken came back with a whole bunch of carrots. He did. And and you assumed a role then that included a lot more than development, but he gave you ops and all things franchising. What kind of a timeline over the past few years have you been on to advance your role and to actually become president and CEO?
2: Now, Ken disputes this. Ken claims that he and I discussed me serving as a succession plan for him when he was interviewing me. And that's not true. That's not my recollection at all. My recollection is that he first mentioned that to me probably about four years ago. Uh, We were in Oklahoma City. We had just finished a new franchise transaction and we were having a celebratory drink there in the evening and he mentioned it then. That's the first time I was told that he was considering me for this role. So I started really in just kind of business development and that included franchise development, franchise operations. At the time we had five company operations that we ran like franchises. And Mighty was thinking about getting in the acquisition game. That that piece hasn't developed as, as well as I've it, 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 hoped, but we spent a lot of time in the other areas. So I did that for about two or three years and was then given the sales responsibility. So our sales team, our sales support came onto my plate about uh, three years in, and then uh, at the fourth year is really, and right about that time is when Ken started talking about a secession plan. And then I kept kind of advancing in our career and maybe the chief development officer for a period of time, and then named me president January 1st of 2020, just in time to offload the COVID year onto me <laughs> off, of his, <laughs> off of his plate, <laughs> which worked out great for him. But he made me president in 2020. And that's really when it was official that I was going to be his secession plan. I was president for two years, uh, for a year, uh, for two years, excuse me and then president and CEO for a transition year with Ken. Ken kind of made up a role of chairman, maybe president and CEO. We had a year overlap there, and then he retired December of 2022.
1: I think he told me before he told you. I remember seeing him at a Southeast Franchise Forum meeting and congratulating him on hiring you, and he told me that you were his ticket out. I mean, he told me then that well, his plan was that you'd replace him. Well, I don't doubt it, because he didn't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> He didn't tell me.
2: He claims he did. I do not agree. I, I really recall when he first brought that up. I mean, that's a big deal, right? I was completely honored and incredibly flattered. And I did not think that joining Mighty would lead to this role. That was never in my mind. What was in my mind is coming and do a good job with what was being offered and uh, things will develop from there. But it was never really in my mind of I'm going to take Ken's job. And he never really expressed that to me. That, that came up about four years ago. So uh, I'm glad it worked out. It's an honor and it really, really truly is. And it's very flattering. To be in this role, to have this kind of, I mean, Ken did a phenomenal job with Mighty. He's Been here 35 years. Uh, he served as president, and CEO, I think, for 10 years. He was president for most of his 30-year, 30 35-year career here. So it was big shoes to fill. And my number money? one, uh, Mighty is owned by a family out of Monterrey, Mexico, which is the Gonzalez family. The name of the company is Grupo Goner, and Goner stands for Gonzalez Hermanos, which is Gonzalez Brothers. They started that business in 1953. Mighty started in 1963. They purchased Mighty in 2009 at the very end of the year, and they're a manufacturer. So they manufacture oil filters, they manufacture air filters, they manufacture batteries, lubricants, and chemicals, and they distribute in Mexico. They have six different business units, but Mighty is the only U.S.-based business unit. The restaurant are in Monterrey, Mexico.
1: Well, that's an interesting story I didn't expect to learn. I had no idea that it was owned out of Mexico and that it was a multinational company. You took the reins in 2020, just as you said, in time for COVID. Let's spend <laughs> just a quick minute on COVID because we all know how much COVID has played a role in the growth and development of home services, franchise businesses since 2020. That market Mm -hmm. segment has been on fire. What did it do to the auto parts part of franchising? What did it do to the consumer's attitude toward the automobile? I know used car prices went crazy nuts Mm -hmm. in COVID, right? And have remained extremely high. They have. It's come down a little bit, but still very high. So how did a business like yours figure into that? Where on that spectrum were you guys in terms of how it impacted your business?
2: Yeah, you know, I always joke about our industry. It's so large and so mature and just so steady that the joke is I'm either going to have a good year or a great year. And rarely, rarely do we experience a down year, a tough year in our business. Now, 2020 was one of the first, you know, maybe only two down years I've ever had in my automotive career uh, going back to January. Parts Company. Uh, One was 2009 during the kind of the Great Recession and then 2020. So what we saw happen in late March of 2020 is everyone started staying home or a lot of people started staying home. Uh, They weren't driving, they weren't traveling, they weren't going on vacation. And our business started to decline in March. And then April, of course, was down, I think, 65%, if I remember correctly, from the previous year. So there just was almost nothing going on in April. The last week of April 2020 started to see a bit of an uptick because people will only stay Stay still for so long, and they can only stay still for so long. And then May was a relatively decent month, and then we started seeing records in June, July, and August. And what happened in our business is people weren't flying that summer, they drove all over the country, and that was a benefit to our business. And that has really continued. People continue to drive. Even with all this work from home stand, people are still driving. They're running errands during the day. They're driving on vacations. Flying is obviously back to to normal in capacity, but driving is as well. So that has been very beneficial for us. We saw some supply chain issues in 2021, like most businesses. Our supply chain improved steadily throughout 2022 to where it really effectively back to normal. We still have some issues here and there. We've seen a lot of price inflation as a lot of businesses have. So we've been managing that. Now we're seeing some mitigation of that. We're seeing some price decreases. We're doing some reshoring. We're doing some shopping of suppliers to to get our acquisition costs in line. And so are our competitors, of course. So we're seeing a lot of uh, challenge there in managing pricing. But overall, we we did very well during COVID. It was a short period of time where we felt uncertain about what might happen, and we didn't lose a franchise. We didn't lose one of them. Oh, no, that's we, great. Yeah, we really did okay, and and really proud of how our team. We didn't lay anybody off either. We didn't, we didn't lay off one person at our company.
1: In That's astounding. That's great news. So let's talk in the time left to us about the franchise side of the business, who it is that owns these franchises, who it is that you are looking to recruit to own these franchises. What do they have to bring with them as a must-have and the rest you can train? And what's that look like? Are they single, multi-unit? What's the big picture?
2: Yeah, great question. I think when Mighty started, it was very much a family-owned business. This was typically a husband and wife team, a father-son team, and they work the business every day. They run routes and deliver product and sell product. And over the years, uh, we've transitioned to what we call a strategic franchising model. About 25% of our franchisees are still families, a lot of second generation, even some third generation. Uh, we still have those. This is their only business. This is what they do every single day. But we have these strategic partners where we've approached car dealership groups and Jiffy Lube chains, uh, entire dealer groups like Goodyear, you know, independently owned Goodyear chains, and said, why don't you add a mighty distribution? to your current automotive portfolio. You can service yourself. You're buying tons of auto parts from other people. Buy it from yourself. And you can service your community. And that's really been our focus since 1993 is adding strategic partners. So we're looking for new car dealership chains. We're looking for tire dealer chains. We're looking for quick lube chains. We do have some lubricants distributors, stand. people who are selling oil to our customers. Well, why not add all these other products that those customers are buying from somebody else? Now you can be a one-stop partner for them. So typically they're single location ownerships because we have about a hundred mile radiuses for hundred mile uh, territories for people to deliver in. So you tend to see that most franchises own just one, but we do have a couple. We do have about 10 who own more than one.
1: And in today's world, what's the profile of that person going to be that you're actively looking to bring on board?
2: Well, we are actively looking for a new car dealership group or a quick lube chain or a lubricants distributor or a automotive service repair chain with at least 10 locations or more. That then makes it worth the self-distribution effort. You have enough volume to make the mighty operation successful.
1: Yeah. Make the juice worth the squeeze, right? Y- y-
2: yeah. So you kind of instantly can break even or be profitable. And then of course you work your territory, which is is harder, right? So I've, I have my own captive business that I can direct to buy from my mighty operation, but I want not have to go sell an outside customer. I have to sell that in a traditional way. So we're looking for people with multi-location, ownership, obviously those folks are highly financially qualified. The investment into Mighty is not that high. Uh, when compared to similar auto parts businesses, about a quarter of a million, about 250,000 to get off the ground. So it's not a uh, barrier to entry. And frankly, the people that we're approaching, their cash and capital is just not an
1: issue. Are they surprised to find you when you discover them? What else are they looking at when you kind of knock on their door and say, hey, have a look at this?
2: So what's happening, I'll use the car dealership space as an example. Vertical integration has been a big discussion in the car dealership space for quite some time. They go to their 20 group meetings, which are best practices meetings with 19 other similar sized car dealership groups and they share best practices and they talk about looking at their P&L. Hey, look, I sell new cars, I sell used cars, but where else can I make money on my P&L? Well, I can offer insurance, I can do financing, I can rent cars to people. Oh, look at this, I'm spending millions of dollars on auto parts, why don't I do that through my own channel? So that was being discussed and we just got involved in that conversation. We got involved in saying, look, we already do this. We already know how to do this. You don't have to do it by yourself. You can take this system that's already created and kind of monetize that part of your P&L. And because they were discussing it as an organization, as a group, as an industry, when we showed up and said, we already know how to do it, it resonated very well. And you know how this goes, Stan. You get a couple people on board, they start telling their friends and they go to their 20 group meeting and say, hey, we added a mighty. This is my best idea, by the way, for the 20 group. We added a mighty. You guys should consider it. So we start getting inbound phone calls. So it's really lately in the car dealership space has been about all the foundation that we've laid and the partners we brought on board. Now they're calling us because they know somebody who did this and they want to do
1: it. Well, the old adage is nothing succeeds like success in, in any aspect of franchise when There's no better opportunity for validation and for new sales to occur as the result of existing franchisee validation. So it seems like that follows suit here pretty well. In listening to what you've described, I mentioned earlier before we began today that I would love to introduce you to a friend of mine at Midas who's been right here in the same hot seat you're sitting in a couple of weeks back. Mm-hmm. When I think about even beyond by what you've described, I think Midas is owned by Sumitomo and by Michelin. So Tire Corporation or TBC. TBC um, right. Yeah, boy that that to me just rings like, I'm going to make that introduction because that's what I do. <laughs> yeah, we we do have a relationship with Midas, but not. We'd like to have a better one. So I appreciate the introduction. You bet. And what have I not asked you today, Josh? That you wished I might have, if there is anything at all that I've kind of parked on the side. What would it be?
2: Well, that's a good question, Stan. Kind of out of blue with that one. Let's see. Well, I, I, maybe I'll just brag a little bit. I mean, I think that Mighty is really an under the radar franchise, not just in the franchising space, but also in the automotive space. It's not the big brand name that you think of, and we feel like we're in a really good position to continue to grow market share, continue to expand internationally, which is one of our big initiatives right now to do more international business through Central and Northern South America. We have a big distributor in Saudi Arabia, and we're looking to expand in the Middle East beyond that. We've had that relationship for more than 12 years, so there's a good home base there. Uh, and we think our franchises are happy, Stan. We think that they like what they're doing. They make good money. They're happy with the relationship with their franchisor. I think if anyone read our FDD, they find the litigation page is empty, and that's the way we like it. We work with our franchisees to perform, make them happy, and obviously protect the brand. There's a balance there. you got to find that balance, as you know. Of course. You've, you've got to be uh, understanding of the entrepreneurial spirit, but also you have to kind of enforce the standards in the brand. So I feel like we work hard to keep that balance. And Ken did a great job with that, and I hope to continue that, uh, that legacy. It's big shoes to fill. I, I always say, Sam, my number one job is don't screw it up.
1: <laughs> Let me ask you one last question before I allow you the opportunity to share contact info. On the benevolence side and franchising gives back, is there any corporate charity that you guys favor or is that left to franchisees at the local level?
2: So our franchisees do a lot of things locally and we participate. They do golf tournaments and we sponsor them or we send people to play and we contribute to different events around the country. But what we do from our home office here is kind of two things. The Atlanta Food Bank, so we run a program with them every kind of February. They told us that During the holiday season, everybody wants to help, and then it gets really quiet in January and February. So we actually support them in February when they seem to need it most. And we do that here out of our home office, out of our franchisor headquarters. And then in the fall, we typically support the Automotive Aftermarket Charitable Foundation, which is in our industry, obviously, and they support people who are going through primarily natural disasters. They're, They're going through fires or floods or tornadoes or hurricanes. And need some support. So we do those two charitable things uh, every year.
1: Any participation with VetFran? We
2: are. We are a member of VetFran as well. We don't have a lot of folks coming into the business as individual entrepreneurs like we used to, but we did do a VetFran transaction a few years ago in South Florida. So uh, we have used it. We have, we offer it and we have used it.
1: Awesome. Josh, how about some contact info for those that are going to want to find you again?
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely. So it's Josh D'Agostino I'm at Mighty Auto Parts. My direct number is seven seven zero two zero nine. Four five zero nine seven seven zero two zero nine four five zero nine. Email is a little tougher because of my last name, but it's Josh. which is D A G O S T I N O at Mighty Auto Parts. Dot com. So josh.dagostino at mightyautoparts.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. People can find me there and send me a message.
1: That could be the longest email address professionally I think I've ever heard.
2: Yeah. Um, <laughs> Mighty Auto Parts is long. And then, of course, you add in my, uh, my Italian, Dagostino, you get a long name there. I take the apostrophe. I have an apostrophe in my name in reality, but I never use it for email because it never works.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I get that too. And it makes nothing but sense to me. Josh, I, this has been terrific. I'm glad we got it done, and I really wish the best for you for the next many years, and let's not be strangers. Let's run into each other with more intention. What do you say?
2: I I agree, Stan. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it, and and hopefully your listeners will find it helpful.
1: I'm certain that they will. You've been hearing today from Josh D'Agostino, president and CEO of Mighty Auto Parts, and thank you again, Josh, for being here. Thank you. Well, there it is, yet another fantastic conversation heading into the archives. Next week we'll switch it up a bit when I welcome doctor Noah Saint John to franchise today. Chicken soup author Jack Hanfield, Stephen Covey of Seven Habits Fame, and the renowned Gary V all sing his praises and Noah is famous for helping to make his clients ordinary people by the thousands more money in just 12 weeks than they've made in the past 12 months while helping them gain one to 3 hours per day back from their daily routines this guy is the real deal and his system proves it so Until next week, when we hear from Noah and do it all again, I'm Stan Friedman, wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising, and Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today
0: is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand